it's exciting because just so it happens, the the topic of the sermon is our gifts. Just so it happens, today is the day of Pentecost. Today is actually the last significant day in church calendar from because this this day forward on it's called ordinary times, which has about thirty Sundays, thirty or more Sundays in it. And so today's day of Pentecost. That's why when you read the the lectionary, there's it's all about who the Holy Spirit, right? It's all about the Holy Spirit because that's what today is about. And the text that we're going to study today, which is First Corinthians um, chapter two, verse two to sixteen, is about Holy Spirit too. So what a coincidence, right? Or is it? <laughs> All right, so First Corinthians chapter two, verse two. So last week, if you remember, we uh, we saw the literary uh, genius of Paul. You guys remember going through the study of the ring composition and how awesome it was. So we're going to continue on. I gave you the reading in such way that you actually get to see it, so to give you help you uh, understand better. But last week, if you remember, what Paul said was is that he didn't come to, you know, speak in, you know, high philosophy and show off his uh, rhetorical uh, speech and all of that. He says, I didn't come to do that, right? He said, I didn't come to show off my logic and reasoning and all of that. I didn't bring those words. So what that means, he's not, what that doesn't mean is that he's not saying that don't learn, don't have these skills, don't, you know, inquire, in, you know, uh, intelligence and you know study these things so he's not saying don't dumb you know dumb down for everybody he's not saying that he's saying he's not saying that do not you know don't disengage in higher learning what he's saying is that there are time for simple words right simple speech like when i was in young life club two nights ago daniel gave uh, the crosstalk we, we call it the crosstalk it was the simplest it can possibly be told, right? Uh, it was really, 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 in a way, dumbed down. Its truth is in there. It was very spoken in, very easy to language that's easy to understand. The thing about Greek language, which was originally the New Testament was written, is written in a Koine Greek. And there's two different languages. There's a Koine Greek and there is classical Greek. Koine Greek is a language of peasants. So it's a language that People in the lower class understands, not the high philosophical language, which is a classical Greek. So Bible, New Testament was written in a simple words for simple people to understand. It's hard for us to understand. Did you know that in New Testament, original Testament, there is no space? There is no space. It's just words. No space. So it is really, really hard to understand but it, in that time, it was written for someone who's, you know, for peasants, someone who's, you know, in low class, someone who can understand. But there is also time for high learning, right? Deep, engaging, deep learning. And that's what we sort of emphasize in life like, right? Uh, it's interesting. You talk about the Greek being really difficult, the original Greek. Today, we actually live in a time where there are more, more resources available for us to understand the Bible more than any, any other time in the history. Yet, probably uh, biblical liter- you know, illiteracy is highest today. People don't know about the Bible, don't understand the Bible, even though so much resources are available. 
so much work has been done in the previous generations to provide for us the ways to even have more understanding of the Bible. Yet, we know the list. And it, you know, fault is at the church. But, so we, on the other hand, in Lifeline, we emphasize that, right? You do Bible study, and really the point of Bible study isn't to just reflect and share, but we want you to learn through Bible study how to understand the scripture, right? How to look at it in context, how, what to draw out from it, right? Even in the Sunday messages, it's not just about sharing and giving the messages, but I want to demonstrate how I got to those reflections, how I understood these things by looking at the scriptures and teaching you and showing you how to understand. Because we want to learn a lot, as much as we can about understanding the Bible. Right? Because it's... Why? Because it's fun, in one way. It's fun for me, I don't know about you. Uh, but it also deepens faith, makes faith your own. When you read the scripture, you understand in your own understand. You understand in your own mind. It deepens your faith, and you know your mind desires it. Your mind just doesn't go. Just ah, that was good enough. It wants to learn more and know more. And not only that, we deal with mostly intellectual in our society. People just don't listen to you and believe whatever you say. They want to understand. What do you mean? How can you prove it? Right. So we need to learn it. More because of all these, these different reasons. So that's why we, we're engaged in deeper learning. Um, so what is the context for today's text? Last week we talked about how Paul has mentioned that cross is our message, and um, and you know even though that talk about the cross and understanding what the cross is all about may be a crazy talk, and whoever's explaining may feel foolish and uh, may sound crazy, but it is what it is. Cross is our message. It holds the power and wisdom of God and we're being saved by it. The cross. So today, it's the same message that continues on. It's about God's wisdom, which is set and hidden and then revealed. But it talks about how it is revealed and it is revealed through the Spirit. That's why we discuss about the Holy Spirit. And we understand the cross, God's wisdom, because of the Holy Spirit. And we're also going to see the, the rhetorical skills of Paul in the readings that we're going to do. Now, the stuff that we've been learning last Sunday and today, it's very like Sunday, basic Sunday school stuff, right? The cross, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And uh, apparently, Corinthians missed out on those basic Sunday school stuff. Maybe they didn't have Sunday school, <laughs> Um, VVS or, you know, Kids Club or whatever, um, Bible quiz, you, you understand that if it's your Nazarene for a long time. Um, maybe they didn't have any of those, like we don't have any of those, right? Uh, but they missed out on this basic stuff, right? So, today, a lot of times, I don't want you guys to give Sunday school answers. Like when I said something, you know, I don't want you to say, Jesus, <laughs> the cross, the Holy Spirit. But today, you can I will wow. accept Sunday school answers today. Wow. So when I ask you a question, what is he talking about? What is the answer? Jesus, Jesus or the cross. So I encourage Sunday school answers today. Right? I'll ask you a question, your answer is going to be like Jesus, the cross, you know. Whatever you, it comes to your mind, that is obvious and that is the most 
basic Sunday school answers because that's what it's going to be. But where I, where, I, where I am leading you to is that just knowing it isn't enough, right? There's a huge difference between knowing it, believing it, and responding to it in action. And we'll talk about that. So, let's go ahead and read our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 to 16. I break them up by the way that is rhetorical here, uh, ring composition and whatnot. So it may be tricky, so you actually need to pay attention and follow. I'll read one verse and you read the next. Verse 3. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. So that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yeah. Yet no one would share who used to be but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the age for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. No, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And if we speak of these things in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritually discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray for your spirit to come on upon us and give us understanding. Give us understanding. Lord, we pray that you give us understanding and that understanding lead us lead to conviction and to challenge us and you will help us to change and to, to be molded in your image. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to dive into this. This is probably one of the most difficult passages uh, to understand. There's a lot of study on this, but just the word in general, um, it's really hard to understand. One of the reasons that it's hard to understand is Paul is writing in a society where there's a difference between Paul's letters and John's letters. John's letters are written somewhere in 70 AD. This is after the, the, the suffering of Christians, the Nero and all of that. Paul is writing before it when Christianity is just starting to bloom. So there isn't really a persecution going on, but he's still living in a society where Caesar is the king and the savior and God. So you read Paul's letter, he doesn't just bluntly say things like Caesar's you know, evil and Rome is evil. He doesn't say that because of sensitivity that he needs to have. So he doesn't say bluntly, so it's almost like coded word. He doesn't say bluntly, but he 
means it, but it's hard for anyone else other than the believers to understand. So that's why the meaning of this is hard to understand. Um, Greek words is really, really hard to translate, especially these sections. Uh, there's all kinds of different interpretation. We're going to go through this, but not so much in depth, because I, we could really dive in and study a verse and take, you know, and spend an hour doing it. It's really hard to understand. We won't do that, but we do want to understand what Paul is talking about in general, right? So we understand what to draw out from this passage. So let's go ahead and look at it together. Verse 3, And I come to you in weakness and in fear and in, and in much trembling. What does it mean here? He's saying fear and trembling. When you hear fear and trembling, it doesn't mean that he was scared. It basically means that he came with humility. right? Trusting in grace of God and not in earthly power or his own ability. Which is really appropriate posture, uh, attitude for all Christians which Paul is demonstrating here. Which really, a lot of Christians also lack, especially Christian leaders. I told you about like times when some white pastor come from Midwest and saying, I'm going to save San Francisco, right? The white knights that come to San Francisco. We still have those people. Great. We receive them with open arms. We, want, you know, we welcome them because they are here to really do God's work. But sometimes people do come, God's people do come with lack of humility. They say, I'm going to make difference in this city. And I hope they do, but they do. So Paul is showing us a posture for all um, all believers, all Christian leaders, all Christians. Sometimes it's the same thing with the young life leaders. I've seen, hey, I'm going to make this young life happen. Right? In any ministry, in any way that we approach, we need to approach with humility. And humility means this. Humility means that you are ready to learn. That you are willing to learn. And you, regard, you have a regard for other people's knowledge and experience. That in any way you, you approach, I'm here to learn. Give and serve, but first I'm here to learn. I think the reason that a lot of ministers fail, and also in outside the church environment, people fail because they lack humility. And I think it has been case with me too. Um, struggles we have in life like is largely due to me. Um, I lacked humility and I lacked experience, and I was unwilling to learn. And I learned from that mistake. And uh, I think a lot of ministers do. Fail because they are not willing to learn and they're not humble. Humility is willing to learn. So the question is, are you learning? You know, part of the culture I really want to create in this community is that you are learning. That you are wanting to learn more. You're reading, you're finding out, you're going to sem- you know, seminars and conferences because you want to learn. right? And learning, willingness to learn means you're humble. Meeting other people because you gain experience from these people means you're humble. Humility is what we need. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Even in our salvation, and that doesn't mean we lack assurance. It actually means we, are, we even have greater assurance in our humility, which is mystery. Humility. Paul came with humility. Verse 4, My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with demonstration of spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Here's what Paul means. He's saying that words he used, his intelligence is not the focus. What he's saying is the spirit and the power of God is the focus. 
in whatever he's saying and whatever he's doing. And that's what uh, Paul wanted Corinthians to see and experience, which is not his intelligence and his rhetorical skills, but the power of God. He wants the Corinthians' faith to rest on the power of God and not on the wisdom of people. Because wisdom of people is what? That he's referring to is all the other stuff other than the gospel message. It's all the stuff that church does. Seminar on finance, seminar on marriage, um, philosophy, counseling, and you know stuff you learn from all the churches that do these things. It's not that they're bad, but this is not where you receive the faith. This isn't the, you know, the power and the wisdom, wisdom of God. And you know, it's sad that a lot of church try to attract people with these things, not with the power and wisdom of God. And what is the power of God? Jesus. Okay. And what was the so? And what was the center of Paul's message? His central message is the cross and the Jesus, right? So, what he's saying is that people' faith needs to be based on the power of God, right? And the cross, the gospel, not in how many years you've been to church, how many you know, how many generations of Christians you have in your family, and whatever the good work you have done, how many mission trips you've been. That's not where your faith is based on, but on the power of God's wisdom, the cross. So what he's saying is you can't convince people into faith. doesn't mean don't try, but it means it, ultimately you can't, right? Don't try to attract people by these things. That He's not there. He's not in Corinth to bring people to his own wisdom, but to power and wisdom of God. Because what's most attractive to people? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is most attractive to people. I think the Christianity, churches in, in America, has either plateaued or is falling because we're not showing people Jesus. We're shying away as if it's not the most attractive thing. We're showing other stuff. But what is most attractive to people is Jesus. Why else are we a church, right? <laughs> Jesus. Verse 6. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not wisdom of this age, of the rulers of this age, we are doomed to, who are doomed to perish. What Paul means here by mature in this is that he's basically referring to all believers. He's not segregating or leveling different Christians um, by mature and not. He'll dive more into that. But what he's saying is, these are people who believe in the power of God, the cross, and the wisdom of, of God. These are Christians. These are believers. The wisdom of God is not like the wisdom of this age and rulers of this age. Instead, it's eternal and not perishing because it is anchored in saving event in history. You know the word that Jesus spoke on the cross? He said before he died, he said, it is finished or done, completed. It is completed, done, finished. Right? It's in the base of Greek letter teleo. And teleo is perfect passive participle tense, just like what we talked about last week, crucified. And what that means is, this perfect tense describes action that's completed in the past, which has an effect, its effect continues on in present day and to the future. So what that means, when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it's done, it's done for good, the effect of what I have done will last through eternity. There's no other work needs to be done. It is completed in a perfect, possible, and eternal way. 
And that's what it meant. And that's what it, what it did. So the saving event of Jesus, the cross, the wisdom of God, is unlike the wisdom of this world. It is eternal. It is eternal. It doesn't pass away. So Paul is again talking about the cross. And you look at this verse, from verse 7 on, you see there's a, a ring composition in seven parts. And it has a progression. And uh, progression is through four actions of God that we see. And look at the number one. There's a light font letter here. Number one, God first hides. And two, then he decrees. And you move to verse you, number six. He, Having decreed, he prepares. And finally, he comes... Uh, he has the revelation. And what's at the center? What's at the center? Crucified. Crucified, Lord of glory, which means? The cross. Jesus and the cross, right? Jesus and the cross. So, let's examine this real quick. The way we want to do it, we want to pair them together, right? We want to pair them seven, the verse seven, the one and seven together. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden. And you jump down to 7 and say, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So 1 and 7 is hiding and revealing are matched. God's wisdom, secret and hidden. And what mystery is he talking about? What mystery? The tomb. The resurrection. No, the, what mystery? The cross. Yes, the cross. It's all the same answer. <laughs> what is at the center? Cross. The cross. And it says, God has revealed. What revelation is he talking about? Jesus. The Jesus. Cross. The cross. Its answer is in the center, right? And we say, who can understand this? No one understands. So you look at the two and six, which God decreed before the ages of our, for our glory, and uh, what God has prepared. He decreed and then he prepared for those who love him. Decreed and prepared are matched in two and six. Uh, God's wisdom was a hidden mystery before the ages. Which means, as you know, cross isn't second thought. It's not plan B. It's not because, oops, this didn't work out, so I better come down and die on the cross and be resurrected. Cross was God's plan before the ages. From creation, God committed himself to come down and be crucified for us and be resurrected. So God decreed the cross before the ages for our glory and prepared it for those who love Him. God acted for our glory. The word glory here, in Greek word, it's doxa, based on the word doxa, which is the Hebrew word, translation of Hebrew word, glory, which is kabod. Kabod. Kabod is based on a Middle Eastern word, which I don't know how to say this, but what kabod basically means, it means weight. It's weighty. So kabod describes person who is weighty, which means this person has wisdom, balance, stability, reliability, sound judgment, patience, impartiality, and nobility. This is a weighty person. That's what glory means. So it's not really focused on act of praising, but the worthiness of praising. Because, you know, do you just go praise anybody? You praise somebody, you glorify somebody who has that worthiness to be praised, right? So the, actually the better translation is splendor, for our splendor, for our glory. Glory for those who love God 
flows from the cross of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of what we may become worthy of. Jesus is the Lord of glory. Glory that we may receive through what? Jesus. The cross. Verse 8 and verse 9. So this is uh, 3 and 4. None of, the, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For, that, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, uh, what no eye has seen, nor heard, um, no human heart can conceive. So 3 and 6 is about no one understood this, which is? The cross. Paul doesn't blame uh, Pilate or, you know, the high priest of Jews for crucifixion. He said they didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing. No one understood, right? And he's paraphrasing uh, from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 15 here. It talks about no one's going to know what the Savior is doing, what God is doing in His wisdom. So, those... Seven, ring composition. Let's go ahead and sum it up to this point. God hides, decrees, prepares, and then reveals the mystery of crucified Lord, Lord of glory. Um, it is an eternal plan, not an accident in history. As an eternal plan of God, the cross can produce glory, the weightiness of it, for those who love God, which is us. And Paul continues his discussion in this, uh, of this mystery continues on and what we have is is five ring composition of a b c b a and there are matching two a's are about understanding versus not understanding b's are about receiving versus not receiving c which is the center of it is about the holy spirit so you look at a uh, he's talking about the depth of god right He's talking about understanding the depth of God. Now, what is the depth of God that Paul is talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Cross. The cross. It's the cross, again. So the depth of God is not some philosophical ideas. He's talking about the wisdom of God, the mystery of the cross. And the example is given in verse 11. Um, 11 is talking about what human beings knows, what is truly human except the human spirit. This is bad translation, it needs to be personified, uh, so what the be- better translation is, John only knows John's own thoughts, like, I only know my own thoughts, do you know my thoughts? You don't, right? I don't know what Larry's thinking, or Ben is thinking, right? I really don't know what Randy's thinking at times, right? <laughs> you don't, right? The only person who understands is the person who's thinking, right? So, I'll show you later on, but Paul is talking about Trinity here. And I'll show that later. Verse 15 says, Those who are spiritual, and that also is a bad translation, because it doesn't mean a person. It still means the spirit. And we know this the way they, by the way that they are paired. Right? A and B. A's are paired. So, what this is saying is, the spirit can discern all things, because the spirit knows God, and no one can tell him what to, uh, what to do or think. Right? Makes sense? Um... And then the last part says, it's, this is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, which reads, Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has instructed him? But the mind of the Lord is unknown. But who has the mind of Christ? We do. We do. We do. The unknown mind of God is now revealed through the mind of Christ. And what is the mind of Christ? The Holy Spirit. The cross. The cross. It's the cross. It's going to be the cross. 
all day long today. Okay? It's going to be the cross all day long. The cross is the mind of God. Cross is the yes. mind of God. Paul is explaining. It's, it's all about the cross. He's saying the cross. Mind of Christ is what Christ has done. Christ is the word of God, right? The word, logos. Logos is what he has done is cross, saving us. That's what Paul is referring to. Now, bees are paired. Go ahead and look. Verse 12 and verse 13. He's talking about gifts. What gifts from God is he talking about? The cross. (laughs) From verse 17 of chapter 1, it's just the cross. It's all about the cross. So this gift says, Paul and his friends do not receive the spirit of the word, and the unspiritual receive the gift of God's spirit, which is the cross. So we come to the climatic center of the ring, which is the, the sea, verse 13, and it says, And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. So, Paul is saying, we speak of these things. right? We speak of the cross. And we were able to speak of these things because we were taught by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is reveals to us the hidden wisdom and mystery to us, which is the cross. So, what he's talking about so far in our passage today, this is all about what we know, the, you know, we know, but they don't know, which is the mystery that is the cross. We know the cross as the wisdom and power of God because the Spirit, the God has revealed it to us. We know because of the Spirit and they don't know because they don't have the Spirit. We do because we have the Spirit. And we have the responsibility to speak what we know in church. And Paul's going to move away from this discussion to talk about speaking, right? And he's saying, well, for example, look at me, Paul, and Apollos. We have the same task of speaking, communicating about the cross. Not competing with each other. And that's what we're going to have next week. Now, let me tell you about the Trinity part. And because today is the day of Pentecost, and the focus is on the Holy Spirit, Paul does something here very interesting. He presents, he gives us a way to understand what a Trinity is. Many times we try to understand Trinity, and one of the good examples of Trinity that was used by someone famous who wears lots of green, um, said that the Trinity can be understood by looking at what? Three leaf clover. Three leaf clover, right? So look, you know, three leaf clover, God is, you know, three but one. Or some of us understand Trinity by how? Water, right? Water, it's liquid and then ice and gas, right? It's different. Paul discusses it in a different way. What Paul says is this you look at person, and there's a person. Person has a mind, right? And person has the spirit. What is in his spirit, no one understands. Only the person understands. God, God is God, but God has thoughts. God's thoughts are expressed by his word, which is his mind, who is Jesus. But he also is a spirit, right? God's spirit is the Holy Spirit. He said only spirit can know what God is thinking, right? I can only know, I'm the only person who knows what I'm thinking. And when you look at it, we are really created in God's image because there's me, Dan, the person, and there's my thoughts, my mind, and I have a spirit. 
So I am the Trinity as well. And sometimes, and you can understand this, sometimes what my spirit wants, my body doesn't agree, right? Sometimes what my mind is thinking, my body doesn't agree, cooperates, right? Sometimes what my body wants, my mind isn't agreeing with it and going with it. It operates together, but sometimes it doesn't operate together. But we are these three agents come together. Like my mind is saying, when I play soccer, I'm doing this, but my body really isn't following through. I can't do what my mind is saying, right? So this is how Paul explains the Christian tradition. We have God, His Word, His Spirit, and we have chosen to reflect this of God as the Trinity. The point is, the Holy Spirit is Spirit of God, and we also have the Spirit. So, when I think of this, and we relate to this, our faith, I think we go about like growth in faith and understanding faith in a wrong way. It's really wrongly received. When, when you go to church, and Christians come, and what we try to encourage is, try to act like Christian first, right? Try to act good. And then as you're acting good and trying your best to not smoke and not yell and not cuss, right? Because those are the outpouring of Christian (laughs) personality or characteristics. As you're doing that, trying your best to act in a certain way, you know, try to change your mind about things, right? Try to change your thoughts and mind of things. And hopefully somewhere along the way, as you're acting and pretending like you're Christian, your spirit will change and you become like God. Spirit, right? That's how we understand which some people works it out and they have they have been Christian for years trying to act like Christians, but sooner or later it breaks down. It doesn't work. Because you're working from outside to in, right? And some non believers are like this too. They are good people. Because their body and their mind does good things and tries to do good things. So, that's really the wrong way, because then what's the right way? Right way, and here's why, where the understanding of Trinity comes in, is we change from the Spirit. Our Spirit is changed, is renewed, because God changes our Spirit. Holy Spirit becomes us. Our Spirit is like the one of Holy Spirit. That's where we get the meaning, new creation. We are new creation, not because our body and mind and thoughts and actions have changed. We're new creation because our spirit has been changed. It's renewed. It's no longer our own spirit, which have been wicked and evil, but now it's God's spirit. So we change from the spirit, and what happens? Our spirit tells our mind to think in different ways, to understand God's words. Understand what we have learned so far. When I first received the Spirit of God, everything that I learned from Sunday school on, when I was little, the songs, the hymns I sang, the stuff that my dad told me, I learned from like church, none of that makes sense. It all became clear. Like, oh, I understand now. Because it starts from the Spirit. And my mind understands, and my mind changes. <clears throat> and from my mind, I tell my body to act in a certain way. To not act in a certain way. Now you have our, we have our lapses, right? You know, I have my lapse. Sometimes, you know, I 
turned to my mind turned self-centered, selfish, right? Arrogant, uh, envious, jealous. You know. It we go through our lives and it translates into our actions, but it starts from the spirit. So it starts from the spirit and from our not so holy spirit because what it is is if it starts from the spirit it starts from the longing of the spirit right we long we long something that is just not fulfilling just not fulfilling and we long for something else and this is where all the spirituality comes people understand in their spirit they long for something better something greater something more peaceful and we know in a way that the, there's only thing that pe- uh, we can be fulfilled with and f- be filled with and be satisfied with is the spirit of God so we long for this stuff so the spirituality people they look for different things to be spiritual to thinking that's what will fill our spirit so whether it's hugging trees or doing yoga or doing different diets um, or going to nature's you know people it depends on you know People, they have they have all sorts of different ways to be spiritual. So there's really no clear meaning of being spiritual because anything goes, right? What does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to really embody spirituality? Even in the church, depends on what church you go to, they'll tell you what is it to be spiritual. Some churches will tell you if you memorize a certain amount of verses, then you're spiritual. Some churches will say, if you speak in tongues and have your hands up and say these things, then you're spiritual. Or you repeat how many time the chorus of the songs repeats on and on, then you're spiritual. So it depends on what church you go to, it depends on where you go. Even within the church, we don't we have different meaning and understanding of being spiritual. But the only way for us to fill our spirit and meet our longing is to have Holy Spirit. To have a new heart, new spirit, new creation as our spirit. Um, reflecting on this, if you really, I have really looked deep inside my spirit. And I want you to do that too. If you look into your spirit, what do you find? I found God. I found God's spirit. It's not my spirit. I realized it's not this isn't my spirit. This is God's spirit. And it has only one thing. It only wants, longs for one thing. And that's God. God's spirit, Holy Spirit in you, longs for one thing and one thing only. And that is God. And you realize that. And you see, that's where everything comes from. My thoughts, my mind, my understanding, my action moves from that. <coughs> it moves from that. So, what Paul is saying is this. We receive the Spirit, then we understand the cross. When we understand the cross and we believe it because of the help of the Holy Spirit, then we have faith. Then we are Christian. We are mature. So, what Paul is saying, we need the Holy Spirit. He said he's taught, he knows these things, understands these things because of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between knowing, right? And understanding, and difference between knowing and understanding and actually believing it. 
And what fills that gap? What connects? There's only one thing. Holy Spirit. You look at it. Jesus said, on the verses we read today, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, what will happen to us? We'll understand all things. You got to imagine. Jesus said, no, no, no. It's better that I go away. <laughs> can you imagine? Like, if Jesus was here, can you tell Jesus, Jesus, why don't you go away? Because it's better you go away because we really need Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better I go away for you. It's better for you to have the helper, Holy Spirit. And you know, we as Christians and as a church have for so long underutilized and unworshipped and missed out on the Holy Spirit. So, bringing all this, what does it mean to your faith? You know, we talked about there's a natural progress in faith. We talked about stage one and stage two, all of that. Um, and what we see here is our faith grows and it grows in this order and in this pattern, in this structure, and that is the work of the Trinity, which is God initiates. Um, Jesus done the work and Holy Spirit helps. So, our, the, our response is, God initiates first, we respond, and God helps. We're never alone. God starts, and we respond, and we receive help. Last week, we saw that Paul said it, right? He said, you know, he was called, and he responded, and God helped, right? The, Jesus, God calls for our faith, we respond, and he gives us faith. God initiates we respond, and God helps. And who helps? It's the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's the work of the Trinity. God creates, Jesus has done the work, and does the work, and the Holy Spirit helps us. So the whole point is, is that we respond to receive help. And that response starts with a prayer. It's always first with a prayer. So, think about your faith, where you are. And many of you are in different place in your faith. What is a prayer that you need to say to receive the Holy Spirit? I wish uh, my, uh, my friend in Kansas, when I was working in Kansas City, he, uh, he was a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And uh, there, there was like annual pastors retreat, and um, Papua New Guinea, all these Nazarene pastors came, and they were praying, and he was praying, and he really sensed the spirit in the room, and he's got a sense, he's heard the voice, and the voice said, "Open your eyes." And he opened his eyes, and he was in the upper level of the sanctuary, and he saw the smoke just filled the room. And this wasn't just smoke sitting, smoke was moving around. It was the Spirit of God. God said, I'll show you, open your eyes. It's not that, this isn't 2,000 years ago, Spirit is active. And we're missing out if we're not seeking help. So what is your prayer? So for maybe some of you, it's God, help me understand. 
Spirit, help me understand because these things are still crazy sound to me and, and it makes no sense. I want to understand. It's still a mystery. My eyes are still blind. I can't see. Help me see. Help me understand. And these prayers are not only your prayer. It's also a prayer for those we know. Who do you know that need these prayers by you? Who need to, for whom do you need to say these prayers? God, help this person see and understand. Open their eyes. For some of us, the prayer is, I understand, but help me believe, because I've heard all these things. I've been to church, but I don't believe it yet. Help me believe, because Spirit will help you believe. And, you know, the reason that we don't believe, we talk about this, is because we just don't want to give up ourselves, Right? It's our old self, and God brings us this upside-down um, world, and it's hard to let go. So we resist. If I believe, I'm going to be this way, but I don't want to let go of these things, of who I am. I don't want to let go of my spirit. I like my spirit, being wicked and evil. It gets me what I want. So you resist. So for some of us, the prayer is, I believe God, I understand, but help me believe. Because you can't do it yourself, you need a helper. For some of us, the prayer is, I believe God, help me, change me. You want to be new, you want to be a new person, you want to be a new creation. You believe, and you really long to be changed. You want to receive the Holy Spirit you want to let go of your spirit and receive God's spirit. This, this is really the play stage of your baptism. Your baptism is your cry to God and your dedication to God, saying that I want to become new. I want to die of my spirit and I'll be born with new spirit, God's spirit. So for some of us, the prayer is, change me. I'm still struggling because my spirit is my old spirit. I don't have your spirit in me. Change me. For some of us, the prayer is, I have changed, I have your spirit, but help me be transformed by your spirit in my mind. Change my heart. Because I'm resisting, I'm suppressing the spirit. I'm not listening to it. For some of us, it's help me be more, help me listen more to your spirit and help me be obedient. Help me be obedient. If you have the Spirit of God, if you listen to it, it's loud. And it will speak to you. If you listen. So, I want to challenge us, you and I, to seek out your Spirit. What's in your... Do you have your own Spirit? Do you have God's Spirit? Where are you in your faith? What prayer do you need to say to God? What prayer do you need to say to God? Because help is there. All we need to do is ask. All we need to do is ask. And depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. So, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and... I don't know if what I said made sense, but I think the last part did, that you need prayer to the helper. 
I want you to reflect on and think what is the prayer you need to say? What is the thing that you need to ask to God? Is it to believe? Is it to understand? Is it to be obedient? Is it to let your spirit to be changed? To let go? You spend a few spend a minute to just say those prayers to God. If you want to understand, ask God to give you understanding. If you want to believe, ask God to open your eyes to and believe. If you want to be changed, ask God that to help you let go and receive the Spirit of God. If you <coughs> want to become more obedient and have more better listening ears, help, ask God to help you listen and obey. Father, I find it incredible on how much we are missing out because we don't ask you. Help us to realize how much more of you we can have if we ask. Help us to seek for your spirit to reside in our hearts, to in us. So from your spirit, from our spirit, from the spirit within us, we change inside out. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.